don't think there's any notices today unless anyone has anything that uh, needs to be mentioned. Okay, I shall just welcome our good friend Colin, who's going to preach to us today. Thank you, Rob, and it's good to be back, and it's good to see you all on this sunny morning. I'll just start by reading a few verses from Psalm 95. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength, seek his face always. I'm going to continue in that theme as we stand and sing our opening hymn, Tell Out My Soul. So welcome again to our time of worship. And today we're going to be continuing our series in the book of Psalms by climbing a mountain. Just a metaphorical mountain, not a real one. We're going to see what we can see on the way up, um, get to the mountain top, and then see what we see on the way down. So maybe climbing a mountain is something you've done over the summer or you like to do. Um, so you drive, drive off to the bottom of Summer Hill, probably quite a long way away from here. You've walked up, had to look around, come down to hopefully the same place you set off from, if you haven't got lost, and driven off. Put like that, it seems a bit pointless. Um, and in some countries, they don't have a culture of climbing mountains. I went to Nigeria, and there was this massive hill behind us that said, has anybody been up to see, see the view from the top of that? And no, nobody thought that was a good idea. It was just something that's why they didn't go. But, it, but here, um, it's something we do enjoy doing. I think, firstly, it's very different to the top of a mountain from the bottom. Um, it's different in terms of weather. Um, you can see a lot further. You can see different rocks and things. Um, and you can just see so much further than you can from the bottom. But also, when you get back down, there's something intangible. You just feel better from having been up there and come down, from having been, been there. And actually, coming to worship on Sunday is probably a bit like that. Um, we come to this building, we spend an hour in here, uh, we worship, we meet with God, meet with one another, and then we leave through the same door. But are we the same people? Well, hopefully not. Um, so today we'll be thinking a bit about what worship is in, context, in the context of this mountain, um, and what changes as we meet God. Um, as we look at Psalm 24, and... Um, the service will be slightly different today in terms of format. We haven't got a, a full sermon. Um, there's going to be a, a two or three short talks interspersed among everything else. Um, and about halfway through the service, we'll be celebrating communion. Um, that's really the sort of mountaintop point where we meet God in a special way. Um, so that's, that's our journey for today. Going up to communion, coming down, leaving, and hopefully leaving as different people. So Psalm 24, just to introduce it, um, it may well have been used in the same way in Old Testament worship. We aren't quite sure why it was written, but a lot of people think it was used um, when the pilgrims came to Jerusalem for the festivals. So they sang it on the way up the hill. Jerusalem's on the top of quite a large hill. Um, they sang it in expectation of what they might meet there when they saw God. So let me read you the psalm. And then we'll continue our journey up as we sing a song which is based on it. So, Psalm 24 of David. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. 
Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates, and be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory might come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. So we're going to sing um, a Matt Redmond song called Can I Ascend the Hill of the Lord, which is based on this psalm. Um, it's one that we sing regularly at our church, but it might not be so well known to you. So um, please enjoy. I'll, I will play it on the piano and sing along, and hopefully you can join it. It's, it's, really, it's a really good song anyway. So here's the question. Maybe we've jumped the gun. The psalm contains a question. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? The song makes it more personal. Can I ascend? So maybe we aren't allowed to go on this journey at all. And if you remember your Old Testament stories, you can see my, why this might be. So remember when Moses went up to Mount Sinai to be given the Ten Commandments of the law. What happened to the rest of the Israelites? Well, they were left at the bottom. They weren't allowed to go up the mountain. And they weren't even allowed to touch the mountain on pain of death. And in, the, in Old Testament worship, again, you may remember that when it came to the Holy of Holies, the place where God resided, only one person a year was ever allowed to go in there. Um, and that was after a massive amount of preparation. So what answers does our psalm give? Well, it says, Who may ascend? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Well, we might be okay on the second half, but do we really think we have completely clean hands and a pure heart? Well, it's nice to think that we're good people, but if we're honest, there's always something lurking there. There's always something that we've done which we know is displeasing to God. Um, as John put it in his first letter, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. So what's the problem here? Why can't we approach God with sin? Well, God is so absolutely wonderful and good that merely being in his presence burns away all the sin and being destroyed. Which is really good, except for the sins inside you. You can think of it a bit like getting towards the sun. We need the sun for warmth, for heat and everything else. But if you get anywhere near it, you're going to get burnt up and destroyed. And that's why, you need, why, why this priest needed all this preparation. He needed to rid himself, at least temporarily, of all this sin, just so he could get near God. So is this bad news? Well, there is good news, quite literally good news. Things are now different. Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, and he tore down the curtain, symbolically so he can get near God, um, but what he was doing was ensuring that, God, that sin could be dealt with safely. Um, he enabled us 
to be able to confess our sins, be forgiven. Uh, John puts it this way. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from unrighteousness. That's what Jesus did for us. And our psalm says something related. The, the David clearly had some idea what was coming. Um, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. David realises that, that it's seeking God that's important. Um, those who seek God will be blessed. Or in very simple, in simple language, if we come to God, if we're honest about what we've done and we honestly seek him, he will forgive us, he will put us right and he will bless us. We'll be coming back to the blessing in the second half of the service. Um, but I think we can sum up what we've seen from, the, from this part in the following way. In the Old Testament, you had to get yourself pure so you could meet with God. In the New Testament, you have to meet with God so he can make you pure. But it really depends on, on our faith in God and in Jesus. That's why the psalmist says we need to be able to seek, it, to seek him. Um, it's our responsibility to seek God and allow him to make us pure. So if we, following, our, following our song, if we have faith, we can honestly say that we are coming up the mountain. We are seeking God and that I know I will be transformed, provided if my heart is unveiled before him, if my heart is open to him. So we can continue up the mountain in faith and confidence. So our next step up is we're going to sing another song, um, Lord, I come before your throne of grace. We're nearly at the top now. Thank you. Here is the throne of, God, throne of grace, the Lord's table with the bread and wine symbolizing the body and blood of Jesus as he died on the cross for us, and then rising again to new life as he gave us new life. In a few minutes, we're going to eat and drink this together to commemorate his death and to share in it, symbolising that as we became Christians, we too died to our old way and rose again. So we invite all who know and love God to share in this meal with us. But if for whatever reason that isn't right for you or right for you today, please let the bread and wine pass you by and, and nobody will say anything. But as we've seen, um, we are not sinless in this world. We want to come to this table with clean hands and a pure heart. So what I'm going to do is I've stolen something from the Anglican communion service. Um, an opportunity for us to confess where we are and obtain forgiveness. So I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read um, an excerpt and say one of the prayers that the Anglicans would use at this point. But I think it's very helpful for where we are. So God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. And the prayer reads, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you, and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. 
For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. So we're at the top of the mountain. We've come to God in faith. Uh, We've looked around and we've seen some of the big picture of what God's been doing in the world. But where do we want to be when we get to the bottom? So what are we going to look at on the way down? So we've received a blessing for ourselves. We've come to God around the communion table. He has, cut, he has blessed us. He has, he has become closer to us. But actually there's more to it than that. Um, and there's two elements in the psalm we haven't looked at yet. They're both to do with what, who God is. And the first one is verse 1. Um, that everything in the, wor- the world was made by God and in- is God. And this indicates that we should be taking a bigger view. It's not just about us, not just about this church, not even just about, about this village, but it's about the entire world and how God interacts with it. Um, and then we come to the end. It says, you, get, you gates be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory might come in. Um, there's a sense of uncertainty there, um, a sense of the future, um, that there's more to come, some big battle in which we will see just how mighty God is. Now, this, these verses almost certainly look forward um, to the time of Jesus and Jesus coming in to the gates of Jerusalem um, to win his big battle against Satan as he, as he died and, and, and defeated Satan by rising from the dead. Uh, but it goes forward further than that too as well. David, along with us, is looking forward to God's ultimate victory and the new world to come. The time we look forward to when we know Jesus will come again, he will, win the, he will finally win the battle over Satan and the world will be ruled as it should be by him in peace and in harmony, in love, and everything will be restored. And when we will have a full relationship with God uh, and with each other permanently. But that's also begun. We, we don't have to wait for all of it. Um, it's begun in part through Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Um, and what we know, hopefully, is that the Holy Spirit in us is a foretaste of what's to come. Um, it is God transforming us and transforming the world in just the early stages of what's coming. So what does this mean for the blessing? Well, the blessing of the Holy Spirit isn't just for us. It's for us to do things with. Um, It's for us to bless those around us. We've talked about blessing people in the church, um, blessing people outside. Um, We should be using what God's given us and God's love to to look after other people. Um, And this shouldn't really be a surprise to us. If we're God's people, then we ought to share some of his love and concern for others. And we shouldn't be surprised also that God wants to care for the whole world. I mean, hopefully that's a familiar idea to you. It occurs in quite a lot of places in the Bible. Um, this psalm links all these three things together. That God blesses us so that we can bless others and look after the world. So what does this mean for our, our, our journey? It means in faith... We go up the mountain to meet God. Because of Jesus, we can enter into his presence if we desire to meet him. And in turn, what's the blessing? Well, part of it is that he makes us more the kind of people he wants us to be. 
But that isn't just for us. It means that we can take a bigger part in God's bigger plan for restoring the world, for making things more the way it should be, and ultimately saving the world. Um, the, 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 one of the biggest tasks is that there are millions or billions of people out there who don't know Jesus and ought to. And we, we want them to. Um, people a lot are far away, people near to us, probably people in our own families. So we're going to, we're going to, to sing our next song, which focuses slightly on that area. Um, everyone needs compassion. And it talks about the entire world's need of Jesus as Saviour. So we're going to close by singing a song looking far forward. There's a place. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.